0: Hey, everybody. The Extra Crunch crew is building out a list of startup badasses for our TC Experts project. We are first looking for the best email marketers in the game. So if that is you or you know who that is, please head to techcrunchcom experts, fill out the survey. We'll compile the list and share it out to everyone in the EC community. And just from us, a big shout out to Miranda and Eric for all their hard work on this project.
1: As always, if you want to support the show and see who we find, subscribe to Extra Crunch for all of our best stuff every day.
0: Hello and welcome back to Equity, TechCrunch's venture capital focused podcast, where we unpack the numbers behind the headlines. Of course, this is our Wednesday show where we niche down to a single topic, or in this case, two topics or four topics to on what type of motor vehicle you might find yourself on. My name is Alex, of course, and I had Natasha Mascarenas here with me. Natasha, how are you?
1: I am so excited about this topic. When I notoriously interned in San Francisco, that's when all the scooter wars slash saga slash littering everywhere began and so it's great to do a checkup on this
0: topic it is indeed but we are not here alone it is not just the two of us we have lassoed one of our favorite colleagues we have kirsten korosik here with us kirsten please say hello to the uh the equity fam
2: hello to the equity fam
0: I don't like that phrase. I've just decided that now we've said it twice. That's going to be the last two times that ever happens again.
2: <laughs> and it's been forever branded.
0: <laughs> Kirsten is our transportation editor. She runs a team of people covering the mobility, micromobility, EV, batteries, SPAC. Essentially, if it moves and you can sit on it, Kirsten probably writes about it. Is that pretty much fair, Kirsten?
2: Yeah, it's fair. And if it also just randomly decides to raise a bunch of money by merging with a special purpose acquisition company that is also you know fair
0: game to give everyone a quick overview of what we're doing today we are going to talk just about that the ev SPACs, essentially a rundown of fraud and various bits of chicanery we're going to dig into the bird SPACs. if you want to know a little bit more about scooter economics or as we call them scooter economics, we'll have quite a lot there and then we're going to wrap up with some kirsten scoops actually about changes over at waymo which is now way more cheaper for Google because no one works oh, no. there. Let's kick on. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> for that. Let's start with the granddaddy of electric vehicles, SPACs, Kirsten, Nikola, a company that has become synonymous with the hype cycle of these deals. So taking us back in time, when, when Nikola decided to actually SPAC itself on the public markets, I, I'm curious how familiar with the company you were.
2: I was very familiar with them and I had the pleasure of interviewing Trevor Milton years ago when he told me that he was creating the next iPhone. I just knew he's absolutely a salesman and that was what my main takeaway was. But I was like, hey, maybe this is a guy who can just like pull it off. Man, anyone who dug into that company then probably would have found lots of amazing stories. But instead, it was Hindenburg Research, the, the short seller that really, and Bloomberg, I should say, they both uncovered some exaggerations and some potential fraud.
0: So they're a short selling group that's put out research on another company we'll talk about in a second. But Natasha, uh, if I recall correctly, that the valuation of Nikola since its peak has really come down to a much smaller number.
1: Yeah. So it debuted on the NASDAQ in June. It was worth about $29 billion then. And then now today it's worth closer to $5 billion. So extreme, extreme downfall. And I did want to share one anecdote between me and Kirsten of when I was writing about mobility once, I fell for the iPhone on wheels line that a founder used. And she was like, that's a normal cliche. <sighs> and I was like, that sounds so smart because the idea is that cars should be adapted to be as savvy and swift as the things that exist in our pockets. And so in general, that's a, apparently a common phrase used in mobility and Nikola kind of ruined it for everyone else. Uh,
0: the Nikola saga to me was kind of a, an impetus or a driver, if you will, of the broader kind of early SPAC boom, not, not the current SPAC boom that we're in. It was almost like a, a predecessor wave of SPACs. And we saw a bunch of other companies take part in this. Kirsten Fisker, is another company that's come up. So I've heard of Fisker because they used to make super high-end like supercars, if I recall correctly. And I was a little surprised to see them in the SPAC game. Uh, How did they end up going public in this manner?
2: So Henrik Fisker, who is the the founder, is a well-known car designer and had another company that did not survive. He's taken this company through a SPAC, the same reason why every ev startup would find a SPAC attractive basically think of it this way to build your first production series vehicles you need about a billion dollars that's if you're going to do the traditional factory route and that's a minimum amount so the the rivians of the world they need to raise a ton of cash Uh, rivians managed to raise something like seven or eight billion dollars the traditional vc and strategic (laughs) route yep i know
0: That's a lot of Uh, that's a lot of money.
2: Yeah. Lucid did the uh, Saudi sovereign fund route and then did a SPAC. And I believe that they're officially a publicly listed company. And Fisker followed the same route. It's just a very expensive to design, develop and build a production series automobile.
0: And the reason why Kirsten says that SPACs are good for raising a lot of money is because they're very good at raising a lot of money. And they're priced when the deal is put together so the company can kind of tell before it's even announced how much money on a gross basis will be raised how much runway that will give them how far they can get and so it, it's like going public in an ipo but with less kind of last minute dickering over the numbers and so you can raise a big chunk of cash all at once which has proved to be so so popular and then we have on the fraud trade natasha lordstown motors can you rock us through the the share price decline there because this is one of my favorites
1: yeah, so they spacked in October. Their shares topped about $29. And now their shares are at around $10, along with some news that they are being probed by the SEC for misleading investors about their progress to date. And notably, the yeah. startup is also backed by General Motors. And so we're seeing some of these
0: heavyweights. Well, you know, backed <laughs> by. So Kirsten, here's the thing. So prepping for today's show, i had forgotten just how long the litany of of shadiness had gone in this space and i was a little bit amazed at how some of these companies i think lordstown was part of the list would essentially find anyone who say we might want to buy one of your cars in the future and then they would trumpet it out like ten thousand orders you know and so they kind of built up this almost like fake demand to drive adoption of their specs and is that all over now or is that still a a tactic that's being uh, used
2: I wonder what famous billionaire who also has an electric vehicle <laughs> company could have possibly popularized such a tactic. I can't think of it at all. Yeah,
0: me either. I don't know, like Serge Surge <laughs> Yeah,
2: I have noticed them backing off a little bit, I think, in part because some companies are purposely trying to differentiate themselves
0: from that make makes sense. I mean, cause it doesn't yeah. it, it doesn't look good. But before we go to Natasha, I just want to point out that the difference between Elon Musk and, and these other people is that Elon Musk consistently mostly ish delivers on his promises and hype. The most of, annoying mostly. thing about him
1: ish, ish,
2: <laughs> ish, yeah. ish, you know, we still don't have, you know, a Cybertruck. We still don't have the the new Roadster. We still don't have the semi truck there are some things that have been delivered. Absolutely. The the timelines tend to get extended and kicked down the road quite a bit. The
1: the last thing I'll say is to me, it's kind of interesting slash poetic that these companies all have started the conversation about SPACs and now are part of our everyday news announcements. But now they're also the ones that are adding a little bit of the we told you so SPACs are shady conversation back into it. And so it's like, Two years from now or maybe five years from now, I wonder if we're going to be better because of this period of SPACs or if it's just going to be like a spurt in the ground and we're going to all pretend like it never happened.
0: <laughs> Things never get better in finance. Things never improve. I mean, think think about how we all learned that collateralized debt obligations with when you bring you know subprime debt into one unit to make it look better is a bad idea in 2008. We're doing that now with car debt. So we've learned nothing. Look, the, the, the profit motive and greed in the world of capitalism, which I take part in, to be clear, is never-ending and voracious. So no, we will learn nothing. In that vein, two other quick EV specs Canoe, now under it's C A N O O. By the way, is is it Kent can, Canoe? Canoe? I hope not. Is it like Yahoo, like with an exclamation point. There's or no exclamation not. point. <laughs> uh, right, it's fine. just canoe. <laughs> no, no enthusiasm for me then. They're under SEC investigation, and then Arrival rival SPAC'd back in November and has lost about half of its value. Our producer Chris Gates, who helped us kind of put together this uh, the show today, was like, you know, are, are th- is this a good or bad use of, of spacs? These companies and i have to say i think it's bad for individual investors but great for the companies because prepping for today i forgot that nickel is an operating company and i checked and they had seven hundred and sixty four million dollars in cash at the end of q one and they're building the factory to make something so i think it's kind of kick butt if you can get a free check for you know that amount of money so i vote good use of spec, bad use of capitalism all right um we're going to move on to scooters and we're going to talk about bird now uh natasha mentioned the the scooter wars that took place a couple of years ago when, you know, Bird and Lime were kind of bashing each other's head in in the U.S. to get market share and so forth, then everything changed, then the pandemic hit. So just to, to ground us a little bit, what is the state of the micromobility revolution, you know, in this kind of midpoint of 2021?
2: The scooter economics are forcing companies to completely rethink their business models. The shared approach in conquering every major city, and just dumping a ton of product isn't necessarily working out, and so you're finding a big technological push. So on the software side, to appease cities, to also on the hardware side, to sort of make their vehicles more robust, but that that requires capital outlay, and so that here lies the problem. But I suspect if there are more future SPACs or IPOs from micromobility companies, we might run into some similar. Right.
0: Economics. Natasha, I'm curious, uh, when you were kind of prepping for the show, were you surprised at how bad the BIRD economics were for their original model? Yeah,
1: I mean, unfortunately, I've been thinking scooters are struggling ever since they got quiet and kind of legally ruled out in a lot of cities. But BIRD was interesting when I was prepping, was hearing that it had recently planned to spend $150 on European expansion It acquired a company and really was talking a lot of game about launching operations. In new cities even after it had to shut down operations i believe in different cities in the middle east and so you felt like it was getting ready to do something big and then it's backed and then i read your guys' story and now i'm concerned about it so maybe let's run through the numbers so everyone understands actually how difficult that company looks
0: like okay so here's what we're going to do i'm going to talk everyone through the numbers and then we're going to have kirsten explain to everyone why they're now running a partner program and how that might save their bacon If you go to the SPAC investor deck, we'll link to that in the show notes. Go to page 17 and look at this beautiful catastrophe of a chart. And you'll see in 2018, the company's ride profit, inclusive of vehicle depreciation, scooters falling apart, being thrown into lakes and so forth, was negative 348% of sharing revenue. So that means that their business was the worst thing I've ever heard of. That number makes WeWork look good. It improved all the way to negative 297% in Q1 of 2019. And then by 2020, things actually began to change a little bit, Kirsten, and that's when the business model shakeup kind of happened. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the partner program, if you will.
2: This is the fleet manager program, and I think the best way to think about it is as sort of a franchisee model. It's interesting because... As a franchisee model, it can seem very appealing to the outsider because here they could control their own business. They're essentially becoming an operator. So you, Alex, can become an operator. (laughs) Terrible idea. There has been a, a few reports really kind of diving into how this is creating a lot of upfront fees to manage the fleet and putting some operators into debt so not so great for the franchisees and then there have been other reports which i have not done so i can't you know verify them that this is amazing and that they're generating so much cash many more hours spent to reach that so who knows what that hourly breakdown ends up being bird is then you know offloading some of that risk to operators, just regular people who can create these mini fleets and operate them in cities.
0: Yeah. Natasha got checked me on this. It feels a little bit shady for the company that raised all the money in the world to offload risk to people who have to borrow money to to do this. But what's your take? It, it
1: honestly feels like a step away from the ambition and imagination around when scooters first got on the scene. It feels like it didn't work. So now we're pivoting, which could work for a very niche set of cases but i am really curious to see like who and how they work with people and to your point Kirsten like just figuring out how they vet these opportunities because if they're swindling people then it could just put that in a lot of people's hands instead of actual change
0: well in a sense it has to work economically for the the, the partner or else they will not do it and then you know bird can't pull this off so it has to be at least it has to work for at least some people right if you look at the company's economics and this is again from their own data once they began to really shift their revenue towards the partner model, their margins did improve, and so the, the business did get better. But what this shows to me is that if you just think back to the era in which Lime and Bird, if I felt yeah. like, were racing, like every other week, bigger and bigger rounds, everyone was just pouring money into them. It, it's kind of crazy to think that like they were just setting fire to tens of millions of dollars on equipment that broke an economic model that that wasn't viable. How did that not scream across all of their dashboards, Kirsten? I'm just, I'm shocked at how much money was just kind of consumed by these projects.
2: I mean, it's always easy to go back 2020 hindsight and think about it, but I think this is happening across shared scooters. This is a difficult business in which hardware gets completely abused. Cities are placing more and more restrictions. The business model was flood city streets and get as many people On these but also be price competitive i mean it is going to gobble up cash Um, i did want to mention one other thing which there is an interesting idea that the fleet manager program that bird and maybe other companies wind up doing somehow allows them to get around operational use within cities and i need to look more into that but bird has a lot of mixed results recently in terms of landing permits they landed one for New York, which is considered a huge win, but they have also been kicked out of Santa Monica, which is where they started. <laughs> that like defines scooters in one sentence. <laughs> Famously so, yeah. MC comes out right? I think that the churn is the big problem here. There's like nothing that sticks around and the companies that can figure out how to do that are the, are the ones that are going to be able to potentially boost their prices and become more efficient and create branding within the community and not waste a lot of money. And that's difficult.
0: We're going to move on to Waymo in just one hot second, but I, I've pulled up as we were talking the um, <laughs> the historical <laughs> financials for Bird. And because I'm a jerk and a bully, we're going to talk about it for 10 seconds. So I'm sorry. If you don't care about numbers, just fast forward 15 seconds. In 2018, they had gross transaction volume of $79 million. That was for worth revenue of $58 million. Their gross profit- was negative 212 million which is a really funny number <laughs> their adjusted ebitda as a percentage of revenue in 2018 was negative 331% <laughs> my mind explodes that is a sol- that is a solid business plan alex i, I want to invest in
2: that i want to invest it in improved. that
0: the gross profit and adjusted ebitda improved greatly in 2019 everyone though its adjusted ebitda as a percentage of revenue was only negative 150% in 2019. I, j, j, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a hard game. I, I'm, you know what, though? Shout out for not giving up. You know, I would have given up. After Speaking that.
1: of struggling to steer the wheel, let's end with a scoop by Kirsten about some recent exits at Waymo, which is, um, you know, probably one of the most famous autonomous driving um, startup slash businesses out there. Kirsten, what has been going on with their executive team?
2: Waymo, for those who don't know, is the autonomous vehicle company that spun out to become a business under Alphabet. It was the former Google self-driving project. They have upwards of about 2,000 employees now. Their CEO, John Kravchick, stepped down this spring and now either right before his departure and then now right after. There's been a number of other executives. Garrett Dwyer, who's their CFO, their head of partner automotive partnerships, a super important position, a guy named Adam Frost.
1: So is, is it on fire? Is there a Waymo mafia brewing? Like what, sh- what are you thinking of when you see all this shakeup happening?
2: I think that competitors would love for me to say that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I, I do think that if you look at the backgrounds, of a lot of these folks personally, like on an individual basis, you see a lot of them either hitting the top of where they're going to be within a company and deciding to leave or mm. being at the company for five years or with Google, you know, try 15 years and just picking their moment. I will say it doesn't breed a ton of confidence, but their co-CEOs are one in particular has been there since the beginning. So I don't know how the co-CEO thing is going to work out, but their former CTO, Dimitri Dolgov, who's been with the company forever. He is co-CEO with um, Takidra Mawakana, who was COO and really doing a lot of stuff. And I have to say, I had an interview with her once last year before a mobility event. And I jokingly said to her when she had listed her everything that she was doing in her job I jokingly said so when are you going to take the CEO position and she (laughs) sort of laughed nervously (laughs) yeah um but but I saw it then and it wasn't a prediction it was more that she was doing so much key people under them have not left so let's see what happens I'm not going to say it's the end of Waymo I do think that it is a lot of transition executive shuffling which can create some chaos as long as they get that under control it will be okay but i do expect more to leave in the in the coming months for
0: sure okay so two things one i volunteer to be cfo because that sounds like fun because all you have to do is lose money and that's kind of it and two i wanted to say something really nice about waymo because there was a, a viral yes post that went out uh, a video really uh, of um a, a self-driving taxi enthusiast for lack of a better phrase Who like videotapes his autonomous taxi rides and i think it was arizona yeah that's in chandler yeah yeah and he was in a ride and it didn't go very well by the end it was cool up until the end and then he got kind of stuck in traffic and then the the taxi couldn't do anything and it blocked there was a construction zone and everyone was like oh look you know waymo you know doesn't work but here's the thing i watched it and up until yes things didn't go right in a very complex situation super impressed the technology the experience and how it looked and I, i just I hadn't realized it was that smooth, you know, in sure, one location, one environment, blah, 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 blah. But like, I'm hype about this. I hope as a consumer that Waymo doesn't give up and that they don't throw away or, or, or you know, not give full juice to the work they've done so far, because I would like to never drive again.
2: I can assure you they're not going to give up. And I'll just very briefly. So that was the Waymo one. That was their ride hailing. They have a driverless one, so no safety operator. And then they have ones with safety operators there were two failures basically the brain if you will failed and got confused by the construction cones but then there's always a remote assister they're not controlling the car like you would think like with a steering wheel like sitting in front of a monitor although there are companies that do that it is more someone who will provide a path planning route to the brain of the car And that was done incorrectly. And so then the vehicle got confused again and required a roadside assistance to come. The important thing or takeaway from all of this is that the number of humans required to support an autonomous vehicle outnumbers a single Uber driver. And so the economics is going to be incredibly interesting in the future. It's a super hard and complex problem. Chandler is a simple environment relatively speaking, compared to San Francisco with good weather. And so even then with those complications, you can see how big this problem is going to be. And it's it's really exciting and it's a fun beat to cover, but it is in no way completely
0: solved. But if you want to learn more about how this is being solved and a deeper dive into all things mobility, Kirsten, you're hosting an event and I wanted to ooh, give ooh. you um, 15, 20 seconds to plug it. So go ahead and, uh, and talk your game
2: okay tc sessions mobility 2021 is a virtual Woo! event on june 9th and it's going to be great we have a series of one-on-one interviews and panels we're going to be covering things like china and robo taxis with folks from AutoX. WeRide, we ride momento europe we have reid hoffman who was the investor and the one who created the spac which of course, merged with Joby. And we have Mate Rimac. If you are a big car fan, Mate Rimac is the person you want to listen to. He started his company in a garage by himself. It is now a thousand people and Porsche has a stake in the company.
0: Rimac is R-I-M-A-C. They make those amazing electric cars. The one that um, Richard Hannon (laughs) crashed off a cliff and nearly died in. Yes. From Top Gear. Nice. Oh my gosh. So Okay, so Rimacs are really cool. If you haven't seen, Google it. It's okay. Holy crap. I didn't know they were coming.
2: It's such a fun event. We love to dig in. We love to ask them tough questions. It's generally a good environment, good conversation. So highly recommend you come join us and watch and participate.
0: All right. Well, we are back on Friday morning with your weekly news dive. This has been our kind of like, you know, double click on one particular space. In this case, mobility. Uh, We'll talk to you all soon. Natasha, Kirsten, thank you for your time and everyone else. Goodbye.